A group of blind men heard that a strange animal called an elephant had been brought to the town, but none of them were aware of its shape or form. Out of curiosity, they said, we must inspect and know it by touch, of which we are capable. So they sought it out, and when they found it, they groped about. In the case of the first person, his hand landed on the trunk, and he said, this being is like a thick snake. For another one whose hand reached its ear, it seemed like a fan. For another person whose hand was upon its leg said the elephant is like a pillar, like a tree trunk. The blind man who placed his hand upon its side said the elephant is a wall. Another who fell on its tail described it as a rope. And the last felt its tusk stating the elephant is that which is hard, smooth, and like a spear. The parable of the blind men and the elephant ends in many different ways depending upon the age of the parable and what the teller is trying to say, what the point is that the teller of the parable is trying to say. So I'm going to choose this ending this morning. After the men, the blind men had felt the elephant, they started describing what they were saying, realizing each was saying something different, so they started to argue. They started to disagree. Because obviously you're not telling the truth because you didn't feel the same thing I did and you're lying and you're lying and you're lying. And then they pause and they take a breath and they realize if they listen to each other, they will have a collaborative image and they will be able to see an elephant. God is beyond human words. The understanding of God is beyond anything that we can truly voice. A single person can come up with all different words of God and will still fall short. A group of people, all of us here, can come up with words to describe God. We can put all those words together and we will still fall short. Yet each of us combined together will create a multifaceted multi-dimensional, rich, full, deep, and broad description of God. But the truth is, unless we are willing to listen, not just to each other in this room, but others around the world in different cultures and different languages, we will miss out on some of the beauty and richness and dimension of God. In our story today, Paul and Barnabas go to Lystra. And when they arrive in Lystra, they encounter a man who is crippled, and they heal this man. Well, the crowd around them reacts with, oh, the gods have come down. They even call Paul and Barnabas names of two gods, Zeus and Hermes. Right there, we know the people in the crowd around Paul and Barnabas are not God-fearers. They are pagans. They are part of what we call polytheistic, meaning multiple gods. They believe in more than one god, and they say, oh, obviously you men are gods. They bow down to worship them, and Paul says, nope, knock that off. Don't do that. I'm a man just like you are. Now let me show you a better way. First, Paul says that the god that I worship created heaven, and earth, and the sea, and all that is in it. 
that right there would have sound foreign to everyone in the crowd there in Lystra. Because to them, they would have had a God who created the heavens, and a God who created the earth, and a God who created the sea, and another God who rules over the sea, and one who created this animal over here, and one who created this animal over here. The idea of a single God creating all of that would have been foreign. In Paul saying that this one God created all of this, God is saying, Paul is saying that the God of the Jews, this God, Yahweh, created everything. All that you believe, all these gods that you've got, they're worthless. They didn't do anything. They didn't rule over anything. Our God's bigger than your God. Our God's better than your God. We've got one God, and that's all we need. One God, one true God, creator who is still creating. Second, Paul told them about this living God saying that this God also takes care of you. God brings the rains. God creates the crops. God gives you food to eat. Paul is saying that God not only creates everything, God also tends to everything, that God is the provider God is the sustainer of all creation. There's an artist by the name of Benjamin Von Wong, and he created something earlier this year, back in January, that is a sculpture that, that unlike anything I have ever seen, it's about 10 feet tall, 10 feet tall, and it's depicting the parting of the seas, but he does it with 168,000 straws. And the straws that he used have been washed up from the ocean and onto the beach. It took volunteers in Vietnam six months to collect all of these straws. But think about it. 168,000 plastic straws washed up on the beach. What the artist says is, he says this in his blog, a truckload of plastic flows into the ocean every 60 seconds. I wanted to encourage people to turn down their next straw. My hope was to create a parting of the sea to reveal the plastics hidden within. And then in an interview he says, a lot of what I've been trying to do is make people realize that their actions do matter. God created all things. God is still active in all things. God still sustains and provides for all things, but we do a really good job of messing that up. We're doing a really good job of wrecking the earth that God has given us. What this artist is trying to depict for us and remind for us is something we need to hear. Everything, including each other, is a gift from God. God created every person in this room. God sustains each person in this room. Whatever you've eaten in the last 24 hours, God did that. And we need to be mindful of that. And we need to be mindful that our actions do have an impact, not just on the earth. How many of those 168,000 straws started in this country and went over there? That's a good question. That's a good question. It's a good question to ask. Paul is telling them, this is the God who we have. Third, Paul says, this God fills your heart with joy. 
fills your heart with joy. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is that emotion that comes and goes. It's joy that's down deep. This joy that is way down deep that bubbles up. That is a gift from God that God has given us. Does anybody watch Dancing with the Stars? My girl over here. I don't watch it very often either, but do you remember Niall DeMarco from two years ago? Dancing with the Stars? Okay. Dancing with the Stars two years ago, 2016. Niall DeMarco won that competition. This is a competition where celebrities dance with professionals, and they have to do particular dances. They get voted on and off that, that type of thing. Well, what was so historic two years ago, Niall DeMarco is completely deaf. He's completely deaf, and he is in a dance competition. He's in a dance competition. He cannot even feel the beat of the music. To him, it's just silence and quiet. One night, he was dancing with a partner named Sharna, and they were going to be doing a Viennese waltz. If you haven't seen this on TV, it's, it's amazing what they were able to do. He needed to not only realize the impact of what the dance was going to be, he needed to be able to speak the emotions of it. And the song that Sharna had chosen was, I Get to Love You. And this song, it's not one that I know, but I went and I read the lyrics. There's actually praise for God in this, in this song, prayers of thanksgiving for this person that I get to love. And there's words of joy in this song. And so the way that the professional got Niall to understand what to do, think about another relationship you had like this. Think about the joy that comes from that relationship. And those are the emotions that we need to express in this incredibly intimate and romantic waltz. And they do just that. Tap into that joy. Bring that joy forward and recognize that your joy in your heart is given to you from God. That is a gift from God. Paul describes God in this passage as the living God. That's the phrase that Paul uses. God doesn't say God. Paul says the living God. Right there, that would have been very foreign for the people in Lystra. The idea of an active God. That implies living God means that God is still active in creation. God didn't just start it up and say, here you go. God's still active in creation. God knows every star that's out there and every cell that is in your bodies. God is with people on the other side of the world right now, and yet God is with every tear that streams down your face. God knows every dandelion that's out here in this space, and yet God knows that unspoken prayer in your heart that you haven't voiced this morning. This is the living God, one who is active and present in our lives. We worship a living God. We worship a man who walked upon this earth, who was born in humble circumstance. We worship a man who preached and healed. We worship the man who died upon a cross. That would have sounded very weird to anybody in Lystra that day. Very strange. Let's add on to that, that we worship a man who was raised from the dead and walks about the earth. Now, that doesn't happen every day. That doesn't happen very often. So that sounds a little strange. This idea of a living God sounds strange. It sounded strange to those who live in Lystra, and let's face it, it sounds strange to people in this world today. It sounds strange to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family. It's ludicrous. It's ridiculous 
we worship a living God who walked and breathed and moved among us in Jesus Christ. That sounds strange. So Paul hasn't actually approached it that way. Instead, Paul uses words that he knows to describe God. Creator. Sustainer. Provider. Your source of joy. How do you describe God to other people? What words do you use to describe God or your relationship with Jesus? We use words like sustainer. We use words like presence. The Holy Spirit's the presence of God in, in my daily life. We use words like friend. We use words as, as an ear that I can pray to. We use words of, of, that, that come out of the Bible, that come out of the Psalms. We use these words to describe God, and yet we can't describe God fully. But the joy is, the words that I use may be different from the words that you use. Does that mean that my words are any worse or better than yours? No. Because we pull all of those together, and we create this multifaceted description of God for others to hear. Just as with the parable of the blind men and the elephants, one blind man could not describe an elephant. But you put all of their words together, and together they can describe who the elephant is. The words that I choose to describe God may or may not make sense to someone else. The words you use to describe God may or may not make sense to somebody else, but if we put them all together from everybody, something's going to make sense to somebody else. And we create a fuller, more in-depth, more beautiful description of who God is. Paul said, we bring you good news. We bring good news too. When you describe God, when you describe your relationship with Jesus Christ, you're describing your own personal story. And your own personal story matters. It's special. And it's worthy of being told. When all those stories come together, then we have a rich, beautiful description of the living God, the living Lord, the risen Lord, who we experience every day. Speak your words. Speak your story. And then offer praise to the risen Lord for the stories that you hear from others. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.